We are going to look at Genesis chapter 1 today. We are in the Bible Engagement Project. Uh, Pastor Rob was here last week and he kicked off this Bible Engagement Project. If this is unfamiliar to you and you don't know what we're doing, um, I'm going to say this just for a few weeks. Uh, with different people that are coming through, you'll hear this in slightly different ways. But then after that, we're going to move forward. And then if you have people that come around you or they're, they're guests or they're not sure what this is, you can explain this to them. Okay, but we're going to take 30 Weeks over the next 43 weeks, and we are going to walk from Genesis to Revelation, identifying specific messages and passages across Scripture. And we're doing that with the theme of learning to listen for the voice of God. God's word, we see in Scripture very clearly, his word is alive and active. His word is relevant for today. It is not simply just an instruction booklet, but it is the word of God planted in, uh, on paper for us to have planted in our hearts. And we're going to spend 30 individual weeks, over 43, talking about examples of how God speaks and maybe how God will speak to us through his word. We see this over and over again. It's age-aligned, which means our young children in our Bridge Kids area, all the way up through our adults are doing this. Our Wednesday night student ministries group is doing this on the weeks that we're doing Bible engagement. Our community groups that are meeting on a weekly basis during Bible engagement are walking through this as well. So what we talk about this morning, we will talk about this week in our small groups. What we talk about this morning, our Wednesday night student group meetings will happen and talk about it as well. Whatever we're doing today, this morning, there will be an element of that happening in our kids' area as well. So when you go home and you pull out your microwave pizza and you give it to everybody or you bring in some takeout or you go out and hang out with some friends or people that are connected with the church, you can have a conversation about what we talked about and everybody knows what you're talking about. I'm really a believer in the fact that when we look at how we see God's word planted in the Old Testament, we see it in circles. We see how the core of who we're supposed to be is about God, and then everything that our life touches is supposed to have like a ripple effect, kind of like when you drop a pebble in the water and you have the concentric circles. So let it start in your hearts. Let it expand to your, to your families. Let it expand to your neighborhoods and your communities. Let's continue that mindset, and that's why we're doing this over the next 10 months. I really do believe uh, it has the opportunity and the potential to transform the way we see God and the way that we see ourselves through the word and the application of the word. Um, every volume, there are 10 volumes, we have thematic verses. Some of you have seen our giant Etch-A-Sketch on the board out in the lobby. Um, you know, someone asked me last week where we bought that. Um, we didn't buy it. Caleb Reinford made it for us in our church. So if you guys know Caleb Reinford, a huge thank you. I can tell you, if I had a checklist of things I've never done, one thing I'd cross off the list would be to watch a giant Etch-A-Sketch pull up to the church parking lot on a trailer. <laughs> Have you ever imagined that thing's huge? But he did that because of a couple of weeks ago, we talked about renewing our minds. So every time we change our thematic verse, it will change on the Etch-A-Sketch um, so that we can uh, be reminded of the fact that God doesn't want the word of God just to be planted in our heads. He wants it to actually be transformational in our hearts so that we can actually rework the way that we think and ultimately the way that we live. So our verse this week is the same as last week. It's from Psalm 119.11. Don't put the slide up yet. We're not going to go there. I'm curious how many actually would know the verse. So I'm going to start saying it. If you know it, say it with me. Ready? It's Psalm 119.11 and it says, I have hidden my word, your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. I'll say it one more time because I got the may and the might backwards. I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Okay, now we can look at the verse. Psalm 119.11, NLT is a New Living Translation. This is our theme through volume one. God encourages us to take his word planted in our hearts. Why? Because when we have it planted in our hearts, it retools, reshapes, and think, changes the way we think, the way we speak, the way that we listen, the way that we live. And the word of God is our compass, if you will. And he steers us and changes us to understand how God has created us to be, not how the world has created us to be. This morning, we are in volume one, session two. And rather than me explain really what volume one, session two is with words, I thought I'd take three minutes and talk about it through a video. It's Christmas Eve. Before leaving the moon, they'll show millions on Earth the view out the window with a live television broadcast that almost never happened. I was against it. I didn't even want to take a television camera. I was stupid. Fortunately, the people at NASA overruled me because the American people and the people on the Earth had every right to see what we were seeing. But what should they say while showing the view? I was told, while you're in orbit around the moon on Christmas Eve, you'll have the largest audience that's ever listened to a human voice. I said, Gene, what do you want us to do? The response was, do something appropriate. I'll never forget that. Can you imagine that happening today? We thought, could we change the words to the night before Christmas? You know, make it more contemporary. How about something in the way of jingle bells? Nothing that we could come up with seemed appropriate. We ask each other, we ask our wives, we ask friends. In the end, it's Christine Layton, Washington insider and wife of writer Joe Layton, who has the answer. And she said, well, why don't you start at the beginning? And he said, what do you mean? She said, Genesis. For all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8, has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the Earth. And the Earth was I don't think anybody knew they were going to do that. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. One of the most uh, uh, memorable things in my life, I guess. It was very powerful. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. The first impression I had was how appropriate. What could be better than having the, the first human beings, Americans, circling the moon on Christmas Eve, and they read the story of creation from Genesis. It, uh, it, it brought tears to my eyes. God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. just drained for millions on earth the christmas eve television broadcast is the defining moment of apollo 8
How many of you have never seen or heard that story before? Okay, hands down. How many of you actually witnessed this? Right? There are a number of hands here that have actually witnessed this too, which is really cool. You didn't witness it if you were 16, bro. (laughs) Just saying. It said 68, not 2008. Isn't that an incredible story? I get tears every time I see that. Today, we're not here to talk about the space program. We're talking about volume one, session two, which is God is my creator. God is my creator. We're going to look at Genesis chapter one. We're going to look at the whole chapter of Genesis chapter one. And then chapter two has a verse in it in verse seven that reinforces some of Genesis chapter one. But I felt the most appropriate way for us to get started this morning, in addition to seeing that video, to say how appropriate when we look at creation from the outside back, that they felt the most appropriate thing for them to do was to read the creation story. I want to read the creation story this morning with you as well. All 31 verses, I'm going to read it. And I want to encourage you, as the slides are up on the screen, to read it with me. If you'd rather listen, just listen. But if you want to read it as well, sometimes you know we're visual versus auditory people. Do what is best for you so that you can actually follow the story along and let it just sink into your heart as we read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 31. Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that, there was, that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning The second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and and he gathered the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures 
and the, of the sea. I'm sorry. And God said, let the, living, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Just pray this morning, Lord, as we look at your word, that we not just see a history lesson, but we see something that goes so much deeper. A message of relationship. A message of your love. A message of your power that speaks directly to each one of our hearts today. God, open our hearts this morning to hear through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, for many of us, the story of creation as told by the Bible is not uncommon. I would venture to say, if not everyone, but probably almost everyone that's either here this morning or is watching this, has heard bits and pieces of the creation story. Whether you know it all by heart or you just know that there are a bunch of days in the creation story and different things happened or you don't know the order of them, that's irrelevant. But the story of creation is a relatively popular and well-known story that we see from the book of Genesis. It, asks, it answers a question, I think, that many people have asked over time. And the question that I think it answers is, was there a beginning? Was there a beginning? How many of us have ever taken a step back and actually contemplated that at some point in our lives? This is a very common question. And actually, I'm not sure you know this or not, but in as recently as maybe 100 years ago, most secular scientists believed that the universe neither had a beginning nor an end. You don't have to go back too far in our scientific history to know that most secular scientists did not believe 
that there was a beginning of an end or an end. Instead, they believed it was kind of a steady state condition where things just continued to happen as if the universe has always existed. So to them, there really was no official beginning. Well, some of you have heard of the name Albert Einstein, right? Albert Einstein, he was developing his general theory of relativity. And what we know from history says that to his surprise, his findings required a starting point to the universe. Einstein was troubled by the God implication, if you will, um, of a starting point. So he did something that was very unscientific. He actually modified his relativity equation to take away the starting point because it didn't make sense to him. Clearly, not very scientific. Um, This is what's really cool about that. Einstein later removed his change, and he called it, and I quote, the greatest mistake of his scientific career. Today, the vast majority of scientists do believe that the universe had a beginning. Isn't that really neat? It's cool. What was the beginning? Well, Genesis begins to tell us traces of the beginning. It doesn't teach us and talk to us about the beginning of God It just teaches us about the beginning of our creation. It assumes God's there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the story really isn't about God's beginning. Scriptures actually tell us longer throughout the story that he always has been and he always will be. That's actually not the point of the story. But if I was going to consolidate what I think the story of creation is actually about and what we're going to talk about today, it's simply this. The story of creation is the story of value and purpose rooted in God's love for us. It's a story of value, okay? And it's the story of purpose rooted in God's love for us. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. If you've ever walked through the journey through the Bible class that I do, where I kind of take the, I take, I don't kind of, I take the the Bible and condense it into seven weeks, and I tell the theme of the Bible in a sentence, I basically say the Bible is God's relentless pursuit for unhindered relationship with us. That's the story of the Bible. It is a love story of God's relentless pursuit for relationship with us. But if we're only going to look at the story of creation and say, is this really in Genesis chapter one? Is it really just a sequence of things that God made? Or is there something else that we're supposed to pull out of it? What I know is this. If we flip this and we recognize that there's something deeper here beyond just a list of things God created, it will change the way we view God and it will change the way we view ourselves. It will also change the way we view others. Because the story of creation is the story of value. Whose value? Your value. My value. The story of purpose. Whose purpose? The purpose that God has put in you. The purpose that God has put in me. And what is it all rooted in? It's all rooted in his love for you and his love for me. You with me so far? You good? Yeah, okay, okay. Um, So let me do this. I'm going to break value out into two different things, and I'm going to just leave purpose by itself, and we're just going to touch on this very briefly this morning. Okay? When you look at value, value equals or is a combination of preparation and uniqueness. Okay? If the story of creation is a story of value, we see value through the preparation of creation, and we see value in the uniqueness 
in the story of creation, okay? So I want to show you both of these and explain what I mean. There is incredible preparation in the story of creation that directly applies to us. How do we know? Let's go back and look at the number of days that we see when we look at preparation. On day one, God said, let there be what? Light. On day two, it says he separated the top water from the lower water. Basically, he created the atmosphere and the sky. That's what's happening on day two. What did he create on day three? Plants, animal, I mean, sorry, land and plants. He created that according to the story. Day four, the sun, the moon. And I love how it's just added at the end. He also made the stars. It's like he was like, he just made the stars. You know, now again, like I'm not saying that's exactly how it happened, but I just love how the author just wrote that. Day five, the ocean life and the birds are made. And then on day six, in order, land animals and the last part of his creation is mankind. All of creation, if you think about how this all works and the order of it, all of it sets the stage for the greatest part of his creation, which is us. All of it. How many of us have ever had the news that we were able to share with our friends and family that there was going to be a baby that would be showing up in our house in six, seven, eight months, right? And when you're pregnant, I mean, when, when ladies are pregnant, <laughs> I'm going like this, but no, that's not going to happen. Um, what happens over that window of time? Preparation, right? What do you do? You go shopping. You have baby showers. Some people, they decorate their rooms. They buy furniture. They write all these baby things out. People write notes to their dear future baby, blah, 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 blah. They do all these things. Preparation after preparation after preparation for what? the main event, which is the arrival of the child, right? So we know this, right? This is not unfamiliar with us, right? It would be odd, right? It would be really odd if we did all of those things and there was no baby. Why are we doing those things? Are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. Why are you buying a crib? Why are you buying baby clothes? Why are you decorating your room in these themes that you're not pregnant? No, I just feel like doing that. That would, make, that would make no sense, right? It would make no sense because clearly the decisions that you're making show that there is coming a time of ultimate preparation. It comes to a close and the birth of a child happens. In fact, there's a term that they give pregnant mothers when they get really close to when the baby's getting ready to come, right? Some of you know what this term is? What's it called? Nesting. Yeah, you all know this, right? And that's when, like, you know, if the husband's around or the dad's, you know, around or whoever, like, everyone's looking and you're like, oh, a baby's coming soon, isn't it? You know, because they're just doing stuff and they're cleaning stuff and getting everything ready. It's like something in them starts to switch and they said, we need to ramp up our preparations. The main event is about ready to happen. What if we look at the creation story, not scientifically to say, well, how was there light when there was sun, moon, and stars? There's actually some biblical answers for that that we could talk about some other time. The point of the creation story in this is not just to say whether one or four or three or two or whatever are in the exact order. The point of what I'm sharing here is that this is a sequence and a progression that points to the main event. And the main event is God making us in his own image. That is the value that goes around preparation. All creation in order shows us God's intentionality to lay a foundation for the most valuable part of his creation. And who is the most valuable part of his creation? You, us. You with me? Isn't that really cool? 
Just think about that for a moment. That is really cool. Like the creator of the universe did all of these things. So we're talking about preparation, but we're also talking about uniqueness and you get uniqueness from Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that says this as a reminder, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over the the livestock, all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He were, we were created. He created them. We were created in God's own image, according to the scriptures. What does that mean? It means our personality, our creativity, our capacity to sacrificially love others. All of those things are part of that. Our passion that we have for goodness, to understand the difference between goodness and, and right and wrong, justice, All of those things flow from this. Nothing in life will ultimately find its fulfillment without God, the creator, at the center. And that's the most important thing. Even though our character traits and our personalities are representative of what it means to be made in the image of God, the thing that is different from mankind over every other part of creation is the peace in us that he put in us to know the one who made us. That's what people call the God-shaped whole. If you've been a part of Bridge for any period of time beyond just a few months, you've probably heard me say this many, many times over the years. It is the separating thing, the distinctive, that mankind contemplates our eternal existence when no other part of creation does. No other part creation. Even your favorite pet, even the smartest part of nature, even an animal that can anything never contemplates their eternal existence. They don't walk outside and sit down on a beautiful night and look at the universe and say, what is my purpose in life? They don't. What do they do? They say, I have to use the bathroom or I need to eat something. That's what they do. This is the truth. Why is the difference? Because God breathed his life into us and he made in us an inherent need and desire to know the one that made him. That's where the relationship comes in place. And that's the uniqueness that's different from every other part of creation. So there is value. And value talks about preparation. Think about how incredible it is that the God of the universe did what he did. Have you ever had an opportunity or something come your way where it was a special occasion or a party, or maybe you crossed over into this, you know, this, you went from, you know, you graduated from something or you had a special birthday. And after you actually had the party, you look back and just saw how much effort went into making that actual event happen for you. You ever have an experience like that? It's humbling, isn't it? It's humbling because you think all these people were involved to make this happen so that, so that we could actually have this happen. And, and it's really humbling. You know, I remember I was 25. I had a special birthday when I was 25 years old. You remember this lesson, our first house, right? And uh, I was upstairs. She remembers it. Just give me a minute. My, my, nep- my brother-in-law was with me and we were upstairs and we were having this birthday party. And I didn't know there was a birthday party having, going on. I was so clueless and so oblivious that I was upstairs with him and he was distracting me. We were doing some music stuff together. Meanwhile, she's downstairs with her sister and other family members are getting ready to show up and they're feverishly cutting stuff up and do whatever. And I had to get something. I went downstairs and my brother-in-law was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. 
I didn't know what he was talking about. I went down, got the stuff, walked into the kitchen, grabbed what I needed, had no idea what was going on, right? Went right back upstairs. So finally, when we came, he was like, oh, he, he ruined it, you know, the whole thing. When we finally came down the stairs, people were there, and they were like, surprise. And I went, what is going on? I had no idea. I was that clueless, you know. They call this man eyes. When you go through things, you know, and you're supposed to see them, and they're there, but men can't see it. You know what I'm talking about? Open the refrigerator. Where is it? And she just walks and goes, it's right there. You know, like, that's man eyes. I was walking through, and I just had this man eye syndrome in that moment. So um, we did have a party. And then when I thought about it in hindsight about how cool it was that they all came and celebrated and did all that, it's humbling to think about people would put energy and effort into something to celebrate part of you, right? What does it feel like to know that the God of the universe made everything in a specific order in a way to breathe life into you. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Think about that just for a moment. Think about the significance of how much you matter. And if that doesn't get your attention, think about the huge scale of everything he made. And yet you are the unique part of creation. Look at this picture for a moment. That's our galaxy. The planets of our galaxy. The sun is over on the left. Then we have planets from Mercury all the way out. Can you see Earth in the picture? It's really, really small. And it says you live here. That is a very, very small piece of the universe that God has created. Just a piece of our galaxy. And yet of all the things he has made, the story of creation says the most significant part of creation is us. How does that make you feel this morning when you look at the story of creation through that perspective? That's what value is, my friends. It's preparation of intentionality. And it's the uniqueness that we are made in the image of God. The second part that the story of creation teaches us is the story of is the message of purpose. And the message of purpose is found in verse 28, where the writer says. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, from the surface, you can look at this and see, basically, God created everything and then he entrusts it into his creation to manage it, right? That's what we see, that there's a management in here. So we can put our manager's hats on and recognize and say, okay, God gave us a job. He gave us a purpose to take care of the things that he gave us. And sure, we can, we can unpack that to talk about how we're supposed to be good stewards of the planet, right? This is the whole green comment I was making earlier. Be good stewards of the planet. Don't abuse the things that God has created, right? We, we can understand that. If the story is what the story is, he gave us purpose. He gave us um, He gave us purpose. He gave us value. He was intentional. And he also then said part of your mission is to take care of the planet around you and all the things that are made up in the planet. In short, to be the best managers that you can be. But there's something deeper here too, and it's this. I believe if we're in right relationship with God, the way that we will express our management of the world and the way that we interact with the world will be as those that are in good relationship with God, which means our priorities will look like God's priorities. Our words will be God's words. Our actions will be God's actions. All the things that we do with our life, 
everything we do in our resources and our, pri- our priorities and our order and our, our conversations, the things that we build, the things that we don't invest in, the things that we do invest in, they will all come from an overflow of being in relationship with God. That is not just about making sure we have enough physical food on this planet. If you will, there's an underlying thing here that says what Paul says in the New Testament. We won't go there at this point this morning. But he says there's really two things that the purpose of man really, if you consolidate it, two things that mankind is about. To know God and to make him known. It's relationship with God that we are created first to have relationship with God. And then the more that we know him, the way that we love God will be evidenced by the way that we love the world. Does that make sense? That's what the story of creation really speaks to us about. It impacts our priorities. It impacts our responsibilities. And it speaks to the world to say, I have a relationship with the creator And the way that I engage with you, the way that I engage with the environment, the way I engage in business, the way that I engage in education, the way that I engage in compassion ministries, the way I engage in anything that comes across my eyes, ears, or hands, I do it in a way that represents God, not myself. That's the beauty of creation. Because he's created us to know him and to be in relationship with him first. And as a result of that, it influences the way that we live. Every once in a while, I get this aha moment when I'm interacting with people at different times where this is really important. Because you might hear this and say, well, what does this really have to do with me today? When we understand our value and how God sees us, we also recognize that it's not just an individual thing. Meaning, I can't read the story of Genesis and say, he wrote this for me today, but it doesn't apply to anybody else. So I'm not better than anyone else. I'm actually the same as everyone else. What, means, what that means is that every person he has created, that he breathed life into, he breathed life into them so that they also could know the one who created them. See where I'm going? Now, that's easy for us to, to, to explain and to understand, I mean, when it's people we like. It's people that we spend time with, people we get along with. But what about the people that just drive you nuts? or the people that make you crazy, or the people that you wish would stop calling you because they have the special marketing thing, or because your car's warranty is expired. What about those people? What about the person that doesn't know how to drive or doesn't use turn signals or continues to make political promises that you know they're not going to keep? Does God love those people the same way he loves you? He does. A couple years back when... Um, our pastoral, uh, our Pastor Rob and I, and then Pastor Matt was here. We went to D.C. a few years ago, and that was a great trip. I don't know if Pastor Rob's in here, but that was so much fun. Just because I've never rode a scooter in, in city before, and they're everywhere in D.C., and we just had a blast blowing through town at like 11 o'clock at night driving scooters and stuff, and it was so much fun. True. But during the day, when there were a lot more people around, I noticed something. Not everyone was really very kind. In fact, people were in a rush many times, and, and they, would, they would speak to you with their hands. And some of the ways weren't waves, if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? You know? It's like they all lost all but one finger. You know, it was strange. Like, not only one finger worked. And I remember I was getting irritated at one point, and I looked at some, I just, people drive me nuts. I just want to, like, bless them with a brick. I was really frustrated about something. 
And I did, someone just like, I can't believe you just thought that. Well, I did think it and I said it. And if you haven't thought it, God bless you, but come counsel me how I don't think those things sometimes. Um, you know what I felt like in the midst of that at one point? I remember where I was standing. I was near the subway or near the, um, the train station. And we were walking by, crossing this one road. And I felt like as I was watching someone that was clearly being very rude to somebody else, and I was just angry in my heart about it, I felt like the Lord said, Paul, I love them just as much as I love you. I made them to know me just as much as I made you to know me. They're created in my image just like you're created in my image. And all of a sudden, it changed the way I thought of that person. You hear where I'm going with this? This makes sense? When we understand how we are viewed according to God's word, it changes how we view other people. It changes how we treat other people. Remember years ago, and I've shared this story, a friend of mine told me a story about her, him taking his wife out for a 40 or 50th anniversary dinner, and he was going to take her to like Golden Corral or something like that. So I don't know. It wasn't Golden Corral, but I mean, don't laugh if you're like, you know, hey, I like Golden Corral. Don't mock me. I'm just saying it's a 40 or 50th anniversary. Like, step it up a little bit, bro. You only get once in a lifetime for that, even if you get married at 12. Like, I mean, it, it's, <sighs> his, his wife was such a submitted, kind person and just shook her head. And he, you know, he's cheap and he was self-admittedly. He's like, I'm a tightwad, man. And I was like, bro, like, I, there's some things that I want to save money on, but that's not the thing. <laughs> he gets in his car, getting ready to go home after leaving his church job as a pastor in a church gets in a car, closes the door, gets ready to start the car, and he feels like the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, so, where are you taking my daughter for dinner next weekend? And his eyes got big, and he went, whoa. All of a sudden, in a glimpse, the Holy Spirit reminded him, she is made in my image. And because she's followed Christ, and she's a follower of Christ, she's my child. Where are you taking my daughter to dinner next week? And he got out of the car, and he went back into the church that she worked at, too, and said, um, sorry, forgive me. We're going to do something really nice for our anniversary. You, you, you tracking with me this morning? How this works? I'm sharing all this with you this morning because it's all rooted in the love of God. And whether you understand the love of God for you this morning or you're struggling with it, it doesn't change the fact that it is true. God's love never fails. His goodness is always, as we sang this morning, he's always pursuing us. He's always coming after us. He's always looking for ways to show us the fact that he, been, that he made us with value for a purpose and a plan. And if we can embrace that, if we can embrace that, then the way the world tries to teach us to live You're only important when you make enough money. You're only important when you're in a certain position. You're only important if you can stand on a stage with a microphone. You're only important if you have this education or you do this kind of job or you're able to have children as opposed to not being able to have children. You're only important if you look this way in the magazine. You're only important if, 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 if. And the world tells us what the conditions are and God tells us there were no conditions. Because we were made in his image, we are important. Because you were made in his image, you are valuable. Because you were made in his image, there is a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. And it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter our hair color or no hair. It doesn't matter. What matters is that he made us in his image. You hear me? It's not about what you can do. It's about what he's done for us. 
If we can understand that in this world today and grasp that, and, and we can do that, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we think. It takes the scripture in Psalm 119 and says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Well, what is a sin? Well, I'm not going to sin against God. Well, you know what? You can get angry with God because circumstances in your life fall apart. You can get upset with God because things don't look the way you thought that they should have looked. You can be frustrated with God because this happened that you didn't appreciate, you didn't like. I thought about this over the last couple of years. Some of the things we've gone through as, as a family, and I, I've looked at some of those things, and I've said, you know how easy it is to walk through some of those times of loss and tragedy and grief and go, God, I'm just angry and I'm frustrated and I'm hurt, and I don't know what to do with that. And if you stay there, you're letting the world define how you think, not God. Because what I've found is you continue to go back to those words and you go back to scripture and you let his word touch you and transform you. What you find in the midst of it is what we said earlier. The pain and the problems may not be gone. But what we begin to see as we look back is he was always pursuing. He was always with me. He was always stepping close by. He was never leaving me or abandoning me. He was always there and still is today. That's what we need to be mindful of. This world somehow has a mindset that when you make a decision to follow Christ, that your things and your problems, they go away and you live a way that is just free of life's cares. And listen, there are moments of joy and excitement and victory, aren't there? That's part of what life is, of course. But there's also hardship. There's also loss. There's also difficulties. And for some reason, the world has an opinion to say, you see those bad things happen? God doesn't care. God's not living with you. He's not around. And you look at it and go, no, 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 no. Jesus even said, in this world you'll have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Why? Because he's putting the pieces back together for it to be the way that it was from the beginning. That's what the purpose is, and that's what the point is. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says this, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins... He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I love that message Paul tells to the church in Ephesus because what he's saying here is the character and the nature of God is rich in mercy and love. And his love for us is so much that when there was no solution to the problem of sin and we were physically, we were spiritually dead, he made a way and gave us life through Jesus Christ, that by putting our faith in Christ, we experience life. And then he says in parentheses, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. And what I love about that is that being saved by God's grace is not because you were, you were qualified or I was qualified. Being saved by God's grace has nothing to do with what we could do for God. It has everything to do with the love he has for us. He loves us when we were unlovable. He saved us when we were worthless. In the world's sight, we were dead. That's what worthless meant. We were spiritually dead. He raises those to life who choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Our worship team is going to come up as we get ready to close here this morning. And I just want to ask you this question. The question is a reflection question for you to ask for a little moment while they, while they sing. And, and here's what I want to do. This isn't a song that I'm asking you to just stand and sing with us. I want you to just take a few moments this morning. You can sing along if you want. But I want you to take this question and I want you to consider it while the the worship team sings, while the team leads us in this song. 
And the question is, how would knowing your true value to God change the way you think and change the way you live? How would knowing your true value to God, how much God really values you, change the way you think and change the way you live? They're going to sing this song called How He Loves. And I believe in my heart, part of what we do in a church service, yes, is to engage and is to share and it's to sing, and it's to read the word, and to hear the word, but it's also to let the word change us. So I want to encourage you for a few moments as they sing this song to ask yourself this question. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ at all, and you're saying, I don't even know how to answer this question. Can I tell you where it starts? Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. He makes an opportunity for you and I to come to him through Christ. And because of his love, you can experience eternal life, and you can begin to know the one that you were created to know. But for those of you that know Christ and have a relationship with him, what is the Holy Spirit going to talk to you about this morning to say, this is something that you have put in your life that you have identified as truth, but it's not truth. Let me change the way you see yourself by first seeing how I see you. If there's something in your life that God wants to address, maybe it's something you need to confess. Maybe it's a concern or a question mark that you just need him to clarify for you, let him take a few moments this morning to speak to your heart and let the Holy Spirit talk to you as the team leads. Father, I just pray during this time as the the team is singing, we open up our hearts to this question and I just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray.